Hi there, I'm Melissa, a registered dietitian specialized in intuitive eating for on-again, off-again chronic dieters, and I'm here to help you take the guilt and stress out of eating so you can be the first in your family to break the diet cycle. I'm interested in helping you unlearn generational diet trauma so you can be who you are without food guilt. Be sure to follow on Instagram at nomoreguilt for more support between these episodes. Are you ready? Let's jump in. Fellow Massachusettsian, Massachusetts Tonian. What do we call us? Massholes. Massholes. <laughs> I'm not from here, so I'm maybe not allowed to say that. You, you are. I'm not offended by that. I think that people from Massachusetts really like to, they take pride in the masshole yeah. identity, the way that we drive, the accent, all of that is a source of pride, but. You're allowed, so you're allowed to say it. Today, <laughs> who, are we to, who are we talking to right now? Who is this? This is Jesse Hegarty, who is a fellow registered dietitian, nutrition therapist, body image coach. You are a personal trainer as well. I am. Amazing. She is like triple threat. She does all the things. And I have had the pleasure of becoming friends with Jesse. Once we realized we were both local, we take walks occasionally, we do coffee shop moments. And I'm just so thrilled to spend some podcast time with you today. Thanks for being here. Yay. I'm so excited. Did I bought your intro? What would you add about yourself? Is there No, nothing. I think you covered it. And you are, I, I'm really glad you did it. Cause I actually hate it. It is. It is. It's so awkward to introduce yourself. I have that feeling sometimes when I, I know it's coming. Like I don't like to go first. My heart, I can feel my heart pounding out of my chest. Like, like I, it's like the most do or die thing. I have to introduce myself perfectly. I get very perfectionist about that. So happy to take that off your plate. Yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> it's not fun. It's not fun. Okay. So we are here to talk about tracking and journaling. You and I had conversations on the side about what this is like for clients, especially when they're coming from diet culture, where tracking is almost like the holy grail to weight loss in a lot of programs. You have to do it. There's a lot of pressure to do it. Sometimes that's the whole program. The whole plan is just to track. So we want to help you guys today reframe that more toward intuitive eating work and maybe talk about ways that you could even tailor that depending on what you're doing. So we'll kind of cover all of that today. I'm going to ask you first what your personal experience with like journaling, tracking has been. Is it something that you like to do? What has been the the vibe so far between you and journaling? Well, okay. I think of journaling and tracking as different things, but tracking for me has always been like a rooted in shame type experience. So like back when I was like really entrenched in diet culture, if I use like an, an, a tracking app, I know you post a lot about this, like going to Weight Watchers meetings when I was in high school and stuff like all of the tracking that was involved in that, where it was like so restrictive. I never got any positive reinforcement out of it because it was like, I just felt like I was so constricted in what I was allowed to do. And that definitely bleeds over even into like budgeting. I just don't, I I have like an aversion to any like numerical or quantitative tracking. Yeah, so true about budgeting. Mm-hmm. We did yeah. have a mindset person one time on because I really feel like sometimes the relationship to money and food is like somehow strangely so connected. Yeah. So tracking you did not love. What about journaling? I think of tracking as like quantitative tracking and like journaling is like 
maybe some form of like qualitative <laughs> tracking, although it doesn't have to be tracking. I think that I also resisted journaling for a long time because it felt like ugh, just like one other thing I had to do. Like my therapist would always suggest it to me. It's like, why don't you do some journaling about that? I was like, I hate journaling, Megan. Like, please stop suggesting this like self-care technique. Around this. <laughs> yeah. Like give me something else to do. But I realized that one of the reasons I didn't like it was because I started to, I, I would always get like really perfectionistic about it, about like wanting to like write something creative or like hash out my thoughts perfectly. And so I tend to be better at journaling when I'm prompted, when I have like something I'm like actually like a question I'm trying to work out in my head or maybe like some external prompt. I always really like, I enjoy writing. So I enjoy being prompted with questions. Like I know, I think you're like this too. Like when a client asks me a question or has a topic, like I like writing about thoughts around something like that. Or if I'm like working through a personal question that feels helpful and useful to me versus like, I'm tracking. (laughs) Oh yeah. Open-ended or I'm like, tracking something super super specific I like need something in the middle it's like a sweet spot right like there's yeah. the rigidity I'm gonna say calories because that's often or points like that's often what diet culture really likes to track so it's like the rigidity of like just track this thing it's the be all end all then there's the other end of the spectrum which is like the blank page where you're you're yes. like what is this profoundness that I can capture from within and yeah some that never comes so we got to find this sweet spot for it to do what? Like, what's the purpose of it for you? What do you think that journaling can offer people? For me, I think it just like provides me with clarity on for my anxiety in particular, it will ruminate on like a particular thought or feeling. And I kind of feel like I get stuck in this like loop. Whereas if I can get some of those thoughts just out of my brain and onto paper, it's a little bit easier for me to process them and then like leave them be. Instead of feeling like I'm, I'm just obsessing over whatever's on my mind. (laughs) Yeah. Mental experiences can feel very foggy sometimes when you're like ruminating on things. A lot of clients describe this in session where like, they're like, I'm word vomiting. I'm sitting here like, no, no, no. Keep word vomiting. Yes. For us (laughs) as your coach or nutrition therapist or a, a mental health therapist, we're trying, we're looking for the relevant information. That's how we're listening. And so yeah sometimes sessions, it's not journaling, you know, on paper, but it's kind of like the effect or the mechanism of journaling because you're letting things out and you're letting the important stuff get focus and clarity. So you can do something different with it. So that's a great point that sometimes we got to just let that energy out so we can know what's important to even work on or not. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you're so wise. You said- I feel like it, it doesn't it mimic like what we were saying, how most people relate to intuitive eating too. If like, I'm either being really rigid about it or it's like, there are no rules. There's no structure. Yeah. I don't know what to do. I'm like totally like untethered. And it's like, no, there's like a nice. It's a Russian doll of black and white. (laughs) (laughs) I hate using the word middle ground because I actually don't believe that either. But I think that there's like a a third option, like a third way to do some of this stuff. Tracking journaling, we've kind of covered that. Uh, by the way, these are not, uh, you know, academicians' definitions of these things. Yeah. This is just like spiritually. This is what I like to experience say. it. But I agree, and I hope that resonates with you guys listening. Like, 
there's definitely a style of writing things down or recording information that feels more close-ended and rigid and a style that maybe feels more open-ended and unstructured. Um, so we've kind of defined tracking versus journaling. So my software that I use with clients has an app that clients can use. So it asks them their thoughts, their feelings. They can record the food that they ate to try to make connections between that. Um, I think there's like a poop log as well. Nice. Good day. I love a poop blog, honestly. That's like one thing I do recommend a lot of my clients track. Just get to know it <laughs> a little bit. Just get to know what's happening. Get out that Bristol stool chart and track away. Quality, texture, color, <laughs> figure it out. Um, <laughs> we digress. What's the other piece in there? Oh, there's a hunger fullness scale. Mm-hmm. And it's really funny because sometimes clients, when they start, they'll see that and like, they immediately like, should I start tracking? What do you want me to track? Will you review it? did I do good or bad today? Dietitian, help me, tell me. And the first thing I tell you is like, if we use that, because we might not need it, let's talk about what we're even trying to learn. You know, some people really benefit from hunger and fullness scale. Some people it's the exact wrong place to start when it comes to their intuitive eating skills. When we think about like journaling for intuitive eating, what have you seen in your practice help clients? Mm, That's a good question. I found a lot of things to be helpful, but the one thing that I'm always looking for is like what you just said is like, is there this sense of urgency around, I need to start tracking, fill in the blank, even if it is something that can be seemingly helpful, like hunger and fullness. If there's this sense, like I have to start tracking this because like, this is going to solve all of my problems. Let's pump the brakes on that. Maybe we don't have to actually track anything right now. Cause it seems like this is like pretty charged, but I do think that for some folks like tracking hunger and fullness for a period of time, not like for the rest of your life is helpful in terms of just being able to like check in with what's going on in your body. A lot of times I'll have clients track their thoughts around food and then do some ACT or acceptance and commitment therapy exercises around that of like, the I'm best noticing model, I love the best model. Love it. Like I'm noticing I'm having the thought and then fill in the blank. So they're doing more like observational tracking of like, I'm observing my hunger and fullness. I'm observing my thoughts that are coming up around food or my body image. I'm observing my um, feelings that are coming up around this versus that more quantitative calories, protein. Again, I really, I'm going to say it again. Like I love a poop chart. I think that like a lot of clients who have digestive issues, it's helpful when you go to your doctor to have some concrete data on like what your poops look like. Yeah. Cause there is a normal normal variance within all of our GI health. That's, you know, there's normal variance, but patterns, patterns are helpful. It's helpful information. You're describing it more like a tool to practice that way. Like this isn't something you're doing to force yourself to hear your listen and hunger. So you stay within the right ranges. Right. It's not something you're doing to please your dietitian or to please yourself. Like, look how hard I'm trying. I'm doing it. It's, it's truly a prompt and a tool to help you practice something that probably historically has not been practiced because you've been self-silencing hunger cues mentally, right. or because your schedule is demanding that. Maybe fullness is something that um, is difficult to really honor because you've been restricted in the past. So in that example, the tool helps you to just slow down, connect, maybe give you a bit of a feedback loop. That's how we learn. We have to have some kind of feedback or else we're just 
going floating around or just doing stuff. So that's a great way to frame it. It's a tool to help you get that skill. And then you can back out once it's more automated for you. Yeah. And I think it helps clients or anybody feel like more like their, their sensations around these things can be more nuanced and like, Oh, I'm just hungry. I'm full. It's like, I can look at this yeah, more on a spectrum. Fire. Yeah. Or like, Oh, I'm always thinking X, Y, Z around food. And it's like, Oh no, wait, like there's way more thoughts that are coming up around this than I even realized it kind of just I think like helps us like turn up the volume on our sensations our thoughts our feelings for better or for worse (laughs) and that's why having a guide can be helpful because sometimes if you're you don't know what you don't know like if you don't know how to step into the intuitive eating thinking it's going to be hard to spontaneously wind up there what I mean by intuitive eating thinking I'm thinking more like um like the nurturer voice or giving yourself encouragement through nuanced experiences. I'm thinking, you know, um, using past experiences to inform new ones. Like this sandwich felt good yesterday. Maybe it would feel good today. That kind of talk doesn't spontaneously appear if your whole life you've been practicing coulda, coulda, woulda, judgment's good, bad. It, yeah. I'd love for that to happen for you guys. Like seriously, I'd love to be able to just like give you the USB, but mm-hmm. like, download it into your brain. It's It doesn't happen like that. Yeah. Sometimes with clients, we're even catching them doing the new thinking and like, yes, like that's, that's exactly the example that we're hoping you'll step into. Now, you know how to repeat it where you might not have before thoughts, poops, hunger, fullness, emotions is another one. Do you work with a lot of folks who identify as like emotional eaters? Mm, Yes. That's an interesting one. Because emotional eating does get addressed in weight loss models. You know what I mean? Like there's, uh-huh. there's usually like some skill set that my clients come, they come knowing, oh, well, I know I should journal <laughs> like Megan <laughs> therapist told you to do. <laughs> when you feel, when you feel the feel, just journal yeah. and don't eat. Um, <laughs> whereas intuitive eating says like, eat and remember there are other coping skills, pick the one that's right for you. So sometimes logging emotions can help you decide if food is a match, when food is a match, what types and how much food is a match. If it's a bad, there's all this discovery you can do around emotional eating with journaling as well. Yeah. And I think that with, I mean, emotional eating is so tricky because I feel like we're always experiencing emotions and we also like have to eat regularly. And so sometimes those two things just happen, have to coincide. Like you have to eat and have an emotion at the same time. What I like journaling for, again, that nuance, I could say that in this moment in time, I'm feeling content or happy, but there's always like a scale to that too, right? Like I'm not experiencing like, I mean, I'm very happy to be here, but it's not like intense like what? emotion. <laughs> You're not having the best time of your I life. I should have used a different example, like anxiety. Like I'm a little bit nervous when I'm recording podcasts, but I'm not like, I don't have crippling anxiety. Right, right. Um, and I'm, I'm going to cut you off because like, this is often how our conversations go. Like we start giggling and we can't finish the words that we're saying. So hopefully we can keep it together here. I don't even remember what I was trying to say, but my point being that spectrum of emotions exist. Yeah. (laughs) I think with emotional, with emotional eating, it's like, 
being able to recognize is the emotion I'm experiencing right now just like so intense that like I need to use food for comfort Mm -hmm. um is that even comforting for you uh I don't know I just I feel like emotional eating is like one of those things that is so nuanced but I feel like we're getting off track we're not though because I think again (laughs) journaling isn't the isn't the method that's I think an important takeaway from what you're saying is like journaling isn't the method or the program or the way that, and that might be hard to see as you're starting out as an intuitive eater, because it was with Weight Watchers. It was with the calorie restricted, you know, MFP. That's kind of shorthand, my fitness. (laughs) Um, That, that was the way now we're trying to use this just to observe. Sometimes there's going to be relevant associations. I felt anxious and I ate a lot of food and that triggered a binge for me. Versus I felt anxious and I was eating simultaneously, not really related. (laughs) Like I can experience those emotional states at the same time and not have it be something that is problematic or harmful to my well-being. So you're, you're reminding us not to, to pathologize or or make problems of our emotions. Like they're always going to be there to some extent. They'll have different volumes and temperatures and they may relate to food, but sometimes they're just happening at the same time as food. We don't have to always write a story about, about right. feelings and food because that's what diet culture says, you know, we should avoid at all costs. Totally. I think that's where the hunger thing gets like messed up too for people. Cause their, yeah. their, their implicit rule is like, you can only eat when you're hungry, which means like never eat when you have emotion, but we mm. always have emotions. So sometimes that can make journaling, which could otherwise be helpful, feel confusing for people. So Mm. this work can't just happen by itself. It has to happen with the rest of the intuitive eating skills that you're working on. I would say nine times out of 10, when I'm working with folks who struggle with emotional eating, they're also not feeding themselves enough. And so I'm like, maybe you're just really anxious because you're not eating enough. Yeah. (laughs) And then you're also like super hungry, super anxious, reaching for food, which totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. When I first started my career, you know, that I worked on weight loss research studies and I, because I'm such like a good doobie, Jesse, I was like, (laughs) I will never put my clients on a diet. I myself have not followed. That's how this started. (laughs) Like, like we salute you, Melissa. Thank you for your your service. Thank you for your service. (laughs) So I would follow a calorie restricted diet with my clients and I would calorie track. And I would do that with them. And, you know, but I cannot uncouple the fact that I was doing that, which meant that I was spending time like, excuse me, I'm going to put this in my freaking log or doing it in my head. I was then planning ahead for weekends. Like, oh, well, this is the weekends. I remember feeling hungry every single evening and running to get huge bowls of cereal to, And at that time, it was the most anxious I've ever been in my life. So I can't, I've been through therapy and I've done my things to work through that younger person that was going on too, but I can't uncouple that. I'm like, you were probably starving Marvin. And that was not the undercurrent that made it easier for you to work through that anxiety at the time. Can you imagine like if I had been feeding myself enough when you're not fed, you're anxious when you're adding extra work internally, your mind is constantly working. Mm-hmm. that stokes anxiety. It doesn't calm it. So right. really good point. And again, why we don't just randomly track all the things we track the right things at the right time to give us the insights we need. Yeah. Good times. So true. I probably, I can track back as 
similar experience to like most anxiety with the least amount of food. Yeah. <laughs> it, it well, your mind's racing. And yeah. then you're fighting your hunger. Like there's just so much that just stokes that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. We've talked about different types of things you could track. I hope we've given you all some benchmarks to think about things, or if you were to track them, how to interpret them. I have personally always found helpful with journaling. And I will often talk to my clients about this, both with journaling, but also just as like a practice, even if you're not writing things down, pen to paper, getting the thing out of my brain feels like a nice closed loop (laughs) for me, but I know not everyone likes doing stuff like that. When you have any history of dieting or just like living in diet culture where we get a lot of like the shoulds of like, we should be doing this and this is the right way to do it. And this is the right way to track things. This is what we should be eating. This is what we should be exercising. We like weaken our ability to actually be like, what do we like doing? What do we want to be doing? How do we want to be spending our time? Like what is important to us? (laughs) It's like, we kind of forget that we actually have a say in those things. And so one of the practices I always like to work on with clients is like just being able to check in with that. So like a lot of times specifically around exercise of like, can you carve out time just to check in with yourself to be like, what would feel supportive to me right now? Instead of it feeling like, oh, I have to do this workout that I planned. Mm -hmm. Or like, if I do something really gentle, then it doesn't count. Or whatever quote I'm putting air quotes around almost everything that I'm saying Always. <laughs> but I think that's such a powerful skill because it brings us back to like what I always say that I like focusing on like the intuitive part of intuitive eating than like the eating part yeah of intuitive eating um I think it like helps us hone our own like intuition and what our wants and needs are well, that's the hope is that ultimately you get so strong at checking, checking in, you know, and I say that not in a way that you're like hypervigilant checking in, like intuition doesn't mean that you're, you know, white knuckling to try to hear <laughs> the wisdom within. It yeah. means that you maybe have a more sensitive uh, meter for what's going on within you. And maybe that meter gets turned on gently and sooner than it has in the past. We're not waiting until everything's like three alarm fire to address our needs. We're actually hearing ourselves and meeting it more in the moment. So that is something that this like written down practice can cultivate for what, from what you've seen is that people can actually start to ask those questions a little bit more naturally. And then the food falls into place. If you can do that, there's very little tweaking that is required from a cognitive or thinking place for most people, unless you have some sort of fringe medical nutrition diagnosis for the most part, you're not going to need a lot of thinking work to wind up at the nutrition that's right for you. Not in today's age with the food availability that we have for the most mm-hmm. part, if you have access to, to food and with the general nutrition information that exists in the world, like most people get it. <laughs> the basics are out there. The intuition is what's missing. Yeah. And to think about like how many things are disrupting that. I mean, I feel like for so many of my clients when they're like, oh, I just can't do this around food or I just can't get it together to like have that snack in or have breakfast. 
I'm always like, can you quit your job? Like, <laughs> I know that that's not a realistic solution for people. Um, it's not for me. It's not for any of my clients, but I'm like, we need to figure out something else here just yeah. so you can like have more space to do these check-ins because I also don't want to pathologize it to be like, oh, you're just not checking in enough with right, yourself. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And like, we're all living these like incredibly kind of like stacked lives, which, so it totally makes sense that we're just kind of one, we're like running on fumes. And then two, we're just doing everything based on like what we've heard or what we've seen yeah. on TikTok instead of like being able to do that kind of that honing work of like, what do I actually need right now? So glad you said that. Cause it's true. Like half my clients have problems of, uh, that aren't theirs. Like it's, yeah. it's running to childcare. It's work that maybe there's too much on their plate and they're, they're not able to shift that, you know, commutes have changed for a lot of people, but in a lot of ways, work has now bled into real life. So a lot of my clients describe like, oh yeah, I'm trying to get everything done by two so I can go pick up my kids and I'm simultaneously doing laundry and there's all this pressure. How can you hear yourself when you're under, under all that pressure? So that's an important thing to remember. Like it's not your fault if you're having a hard time with this. It's a function of, of life sometimes. And how do we work with that? That's the big question. How do we mitigate that in some way? So you get that satisfaction you want. That's a good question. I don't have an answer to that. One, We're but. all working on it. It's probably helpful for people to hear. Like Melissa and Jesse don't know either. We are, yeah. you know, I mean, these are all things I talk to people about, but I'm also very open with the fact that like, I struggle with all of these things too like it's not like I'm suggesting you check in with yourself because I do it do that quote-unquote perfectly I know that it's useful and as I'm telling other people to do it I'm simultaneously reminding myself like oh this is helpful this has been helpful it's a practice (laughs) it's not a destination I had a client recently say like when do I become an intuitive eater and I'm like oh no 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 like that's not a you know there's not a secret ceremony that happens (laughs) Conducted, like it'd be cool. It they would be cool. We would go a party for aspiring people finding us, but it is a practice. Like the whole thing about it is that it's like anything in nature or in life. Like balance is a is is a verb almost. Like things get knocked off and then it restores. Like there is this wave like energy around intuitive eating. And so when you are online on social media, you see people educating you. It's very easy to jump in and be like, oh my God, they must be perfect. They must always do this. Heck no. Like I'll tell you, sometimes I'm like, oh yes, I remembered the thing from, I remembered like to check in, or I remembered that this is my pattern right now. And it feels like so amazing to me still that I could ever pay attention and make a connection about myself. That was not the case for a long time. I've noticed that around my period, like I am 35 years old and I'm just finally like, (laughs) yeah, one of the weeks you're an absolute bear. (laughs) One of the weeks you are fatigued and exhausted. One of the weeks I just, I'm telling you, Jesse, I had never, it took me so long to (laughs) understand these patterns and stop beating myself up for being cranky and tired on certain weeks like that was remarkable to me. Like, oh, I'm not just like a a mean person. I'm like, I'm going through something hormonal. How can I be kind to myself right now? Transformative. So that thinking can generalize beyond your nutrition and your movement. There's other aspects of health poops. We love poops. 
can can be about poops. It can be about anything that you need it to be about that intuition you cultivate. I feel like I had a similar experience around my period too, because I would, you know, I think like most people who get periods, like I would notice patterns in a sense of how I was feeling, how, how I was feeling physically, how I was feeling emotionally. Um, and I think like my, uh, initial reaction was like, how do I find a way to manage this so I can always just feel the same? Yes. And then I was like, wait a minute, why do I have to do that? Why don't I just see what actually is happening? Like throughout this, like whatever, 20, I have a short period and it sucks because I did the calculation. I'm going to have like an extra like five years worth of period. <laughs> like, because that's just a weird side note. But I, yeah, it's like hot statistic right there. Stat. <laughs> <laughs> or no, it was an extra period a year. It's not great. Okay. Yeah. Um, but anyways, like to kind of see what my cycle is and then be able to like lean into like what's naturally happening right. for me to be like, oh, if I'm feeling extra exhausted like this week, like maybe I just put less on my schedule. And again, like, I know that's not always possible, but I think that feels like a helpful use of tracking. Um, it's validating. Like, even if you can't adjust your schedule, you can validate yourself through yes. that. that. That's the real win for me is like, everything I feel is valid. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that, that lens you put on is so helpful. Like that's another thing I think diet culture maybe implicitly gives you and you accidentally carry, which is like our point in life is to always feel good, pleasant, happy, the same. And if that's what you're trying to do, I don't, nobody has that. That's not like, that's a robot. (laughs) That is not a human. And it's, it's, it's nice to be able to break that up and say like, oh, actually the outcome of me checking in with myself isn't going to be pleasant all the time. It's Mm -hmm. not even going to maybe even feel good all the time. Yes. And that doesn't mean I messed up. It's a reality of life and I can care for myself through those unpleasant feelings. So maybe they don't last as long. Maybe they're not as intense. Like that's actually the work that's happening over here. It's not that sexy. Hate to break it to you, but it does feel better in a weird way than dieting and all that perfectionism ever did. Yeah. Cause it's like, when I'm like, I don't have to biohack <laughs> like my whole existence. Emotions, feeling, like, periods. Yeah. <laughs> like are beyond like, all of our control. Yeah. <laughs> Just to be like, no, I can. Yeah. Like, I think that's so, that's so true. What you said, like validate, like what I'm feeling is fine, no matter what it is, instead of it being like, oh, well, I shouldn't feel this way. Yeah. That's a big thing. That's a big one for me. That's a hard <laughs> one two this is refreshing I hope other people feel refreshed by this conversation as someone who like I love behavior change science and psychology and all these things I just feel like whenever journaling and tracking is discussed it's always the same advice it's always the same make your goals and then reach your goals and then track your things and there's it's almost like there's a description of one way to do it but there are a lot of different ways to experience this and I think it's always portrayed like if you track and journal the right way, then you'll figure out your life. Then everything will be good. 
No, it's just a tool that you get to decide if and how you want to use based on you and what's important to you. So tell me about, you wrote like a journaling tool. You have, yeah. Can what's it called again? It's called the daily check-in journal. I don't think I know the full story of what brought you to create it. It was like a combination of things. So one is that like, I just generally would offer this advice to clients about checking in and I never offered it as like a journaling exercise, but more so like, can you, you know, pause to check in maybe before a meal or before a movement practice or first thing in the morning. And depending on who I was working with, I might give like different prompts on like what they could check in with. And so sometimes with, um, clients who were really struggling with hunger and fullness, we would do like different types of body check-ins before even doing that. So like, can you check in with just like your temperature? <laughs> like, am I hot? Am I cold? Do I need a sweater? <laughs> do I need to like take a layer off? A good one. Yeah. I, well, I feel like we forget that we have like other body sensations that we're like really good at responding to. So again, like that, it wasn't, it wasn't to becoming become an expert at temperature tracking it was just a tool to check in and that's such a great analogy because like we can't necessarily control other than the layers we wear how our body feels like the temperature of our body that's a self-regulated thing we don't control it (laughs) so that's a great example of how that works yeah and we often don't put any conscious thought into it judge it right That was kind of one thing that was already happening in client sessions. And then during the pandemic, when I switched to telehealth, I was was seeing clients in an office prior to the pandemic. And it always felt like clients would come in and be like, oh, I was thinking on my walk over here. I was thinking on my commute uh, about what I wanted to talk to you about. So they always had this like buffer period. And then with telehealth, I felt like people were scheduling me between like two other meetings. Right. Or like they like just caught back from like picking their kids up. And I felt like I was just like invading their space. I was like, hey, I'm here. Like I'm in your house now. <laughs> you <know>? Late <laughs> man, you like, just bust through the wall. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, I don't know what I want to talk about. I didn't prepare. I stole this idea from Lexi Penny, who's another dietitian in Boston, um, who was doing like, a, she always sent clients a check-in form before sessions. And so I adapted one for myself that was just asking clients about a win that they had for the week or a challenge that came up. I would say like maybe 30% of my clients actually use it. Um, But if the ones who do use it, find it really helpful to have like a moment to check in with themselves before we meet. And then I was like, well, wouldn't it be cool if we had like a little check-in tool just for ourselves that we could use? Yeah. It's a daily check-in journal, but I don't use it daily. I don't think anybody that has it uses it daily. Um, but it's like, it has AM prompts and PM prompts that are, um, do you want me to read you some? I would love that. Oh <laughs> Live author reading is happening right now. <laughs> They're just prompts. It's not nothing fancy. At the beginning, I kind of do an in-depth explanation of the prompts, but like in the morning, it's like, what feedback am I receiving from my body right now? And I like it because it's like semi-open-ended, but like a little bit more focused than just how are you feeling? Free, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. What am I craving today? What's on my mind? And like the subtext of that one is like, what can I stop thinking about? I put that one in there personally for myself because 
Like I said earlier, I tend to find things to ruminate on. It's nice to have a little brain dump. And then how can I support myself for the day? So it's like doing some check-ins and then being able to take that information and use it to create a little bit of action for your day. I love how broad, like, like you said, they're broad, but focused. Yeah. So this is getting at the core skill of intuition versus honing in on all these metrics, which like we're saying, that might not be what you need. And if you can be more open-ended, like maybe if you are ruminating on something, it could mean that you do need to give that some attention in some way, you know, that could inspire you to make a shift or maybe you doesn't need attention. It just needs to be seen and let go, you know? So there's so many opportunities for people to be more effective, I think, in their self-care if they can just surface this stuff at some point in their day. So the PM prompts exactly the same. So the PM prompts are more like reflective of like what went well today, a moment I want to remember, a win. And then there is a little free write section if you're someone who just likes that, but you don't have to use it. Tonight, when it says a moment I want to remember, you're going to be like Melissa's podcast. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to be like, I was like a 10 out of 10 on the happiness scale. (laughs) Oh, now I feel patronized. God. This is, this is me in a nutshell. Like, love me, love me. They don't love me. <laughs> if anyone's wondering about my it's stuff. It's not like, you at all. It's just like, you know, when you're an anxious person, it's like hard to get to that 10. Pretty hallmark to anxiety. <laughs> We're not alone. Well, I love the journal. I think the presentation is really lovely. It gives people a little bit of structure and support. How can people find the journal if they want to, if this sounds like them and they might benefit from that reflection? It's on Amazon. So you can just search the daily check-in journal. You can search my name too. That might make it easier to come up. I'm going to put the link in show notes. So if people are like, that sounds cool. Um, You can get yourself a copy and I would love it if you tag Jesse when you used it, because then she can see what you're working on. She can support you in that. That would be very cool. Because the that journal- really does get me to like 10 out of 10 when people tag me that they're <laughs> using it. I'm like, whoa, like I'm so happy right now that yeah, <laughs> this okay. is cool. That it's not like sometimes I'm like, should I just make this thing for me? Like I might be the only one that would think it was useful, but I'm like, no, other people like it. That's so I think cool. that's the best kind of like the best kind of maker, right? Like when we make stuff that like, yes, I would have used this and it would have been fine for my own personal use, but you like gen- genuinely wanted to share this with people, which is why yeah. I'm excited about it. And it comes from a place of someone who understands what it, feel like, it feels like to be hard on yourself and what it feels like to struggle to not be perfectionist. I think when writers understand that they write in ways that work with that type of brain. So I appreciate you sharing your story and how you kind of came to it. I think that's probably meaningful for people. And I like using this too, um, specifically before I go to therapy, because mm. <laughs> I do have the similar experience to my clients where I go to therapy and I'm like, everything's like really good. <laughs> and then if I like review, like actually check in with myself, I'm like, oh, I have like quite a few things that we should be digging into. <laughs> it, the time gets filled, don't it? <laughs> it always does. It always does. <laughs> very true. Very true. Jesse, I always love hanging out with you. I'm glad we got to do some kind of like profesh chats today. Um, I'm going to be seeing you this weekend. So I'll look forward to that. Yes, I'm so excited. Otherwise, uh, thank you. Thanks for being here.
Thanks for having me. This was so fun. So I go on to Amazon to share the journal with you all. And there are so many lovely reviews on here. You know, I've been very preoccupied with everyone's seasonal affective disorder plans. Maybe it doesn't impact you quite as much as it impacts me, but the journal is another great way for us to gear up for these winter months and make sure our mental health is 100. We got a few more interviews coming up on the podcast in the weeks ahead. I've been having fun connecting with colleagues to share different ways of thinking about this work with you. Of course, if you are feeling like you are getting benefit from the podcast, I would love you to let me know what this podcast has been doing for you out there. How has it been helping you break the diet cycle? You could do that by leaving a five-star review do me the highest honor possible, share the podcast with someone you love, someone who you think could really benefit from this message of letting go of years of guilt and shame around food and replacing it instead with learning and freedom and growth. Ah, that sounds good. And if you're really feeling like you need that extra support through my repeatable process, I would invite you to apply for coaching. When you do, we connect, we meet for 30 minutes to make sure it's a fit. And if it is, I talk you through exactly how we are going to take you from feeling bogged down from food guilt and body shame to feeling free in just three months. You can find your application at www.melissalandrynutrition.com as well as lots of other resources you may want to use in your intuitive eating journey. All right, my friends, until next time, be good to your good body.